Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Disky Discussions. I'm your host, A.B. Vasson. Today we are joined by a very special guest. Kickoff.com journalist Liam Backer is an admitted attorney that quit a life in law to pursue a dream in soccer journalism. We'll chat about his incredible journey, what influenced his decision to become a sports reporter and South African soccer in general. Well, Liam, thanks for joining me on Disky Discussions. Uh, you studied law at NNMU in Port Elizabeth and you were admitted as an attorney in 2019. Before we get on to why you decided to move away from law, maybe tell us why you studied LLB in the first place. Thanks for, for having me on, AB. Um, yeah, it. I think it's a case of, uh, for a lot of kids coming out of school, there's this expectation that uh, they kind of need to have their lives figured out ahead of them. Uh, and for me, it was uh, was looking at uh, finding the right profession, finding the right career to head into. You know, everybody talks about uh, doctors, accountants, lawyers, uh, and the legal profession was, uh, I think, the one that uh, suited my skill set uh, the best at the time. Um, so, yeah, that was the direction I went into there. And then uh, did the four years at North Mandela University in, in PE, two years of articles of clerkship after that. And then, as you say, uh, in 2019, uh, was admitted as an attorney of the High Court. Um, why did you study law in the first place? You say that, you know, uh, uh, growing up, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure on everyone. Um, I think, you know, do you become a doctor? Do you become this? Do you become that? But, you know, myself included, in the end of the day, uh, I went into sports journalism because it was a massive passion of mine. Um, when did you see the light, so to speak? When did you try to change your mind and, <laughs> and, and want to go into sports journalism? And, and, but why did you decide on law in the first place? Um, was it a passion of yours growing up or, or not really? Um, no, I think it was. Um, I've always been uh, a speaker. I've always been a writer. Um, and I think looking at a career, I was, I was driven towards somewhere where I could uh, you know, express myself like that in law. I mean, that's obviously two big parts of law. Um, so always looking at it as a case of where am I going to be able to, uh, to really succeed and to make a, a good living, I think. Uh, with law, there's also the perception that, you know, it's a, it's a high-earning career. Um, it's a bit of a misconception at times as well, but I think that was also one of the motivations. Uh, but I think, as you put it, I saw the light probably in second or third year varsity already where I knew that uh, this probably wasn't where I was going to, to be for the next 10 years. Um, it was then just a case of uh, finishing my degree, finishing my articles and, and getting admitted and then, and then taking it from there. When did you start writing about um, football or, or soccer, as we like to say? Um, did you did you write for any newspapers growing up? Did you write for the Varsity newspaper? Where did this love for, for writing about football start? Oh, I was probably still in school when I started blogging. Um, I think that's where it all began. Um, and then uh, during my days at university, I didn't write for, uh, for the Varsity itself, but I did write for a small company um, in the U.S. called Fansided. Um, as I started, as I started getting towards the end of my studies and at the, the beginning of my working career, um, and I, they were paying me a dollar for every thousand views at the time. So it was very much just a case of uh, trying to find some way to to write while I did my my day job, if you will. Um, but I mean, the passion was always there for football. So uh, writing wherever I could, whenever I got the chance, um, and then while I was still working as well, I ended up. Uh, doing absolute voluntary work at uh, PE Stars in the APC Motsepeli, doing their social media work, trying to write on anything I could for their website. So 
yeah, uh, since I was little, throughout my, my studying, throughout my working career, it's always been uh, something I've enjoyed doing. You now work for, for kickoff.com and obviously also contribute to Soccer Leduma. Um, how is it exactly what you envisioned? I mean, when you left law going into football journalism, is it exactly what you wanted? Um, and how's the journey been thus far? That's been great. Um, I think it's it's more stressful than people realize. I mean, you're always, you're always chasing a story, you're always trying to be the first, um, you're always pushing numbers. So there's a bit more stress that goes with it than I think people realize. But uh, I, I can't complain. It's I get to wake up every morning and do something that I'm truly passionate about now. Um, and coming from a profession where that wasn't necessarily the case, um, I've got I've really got no complaints with it. Um, it's it's been now a year and a half, and I think the the highs far outweigh the lows. And the, the opportunity to meet so many players and and to get involved with so many clubs is uh, is something that you dream of growing up. You know, as a football lover. Um, so I'm 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 really enjoying the journey so far. For someone that you know chased the dream in the manner that you did, um, what advice do you have for for aspiring football journalists? I mean, we get asked all the time, you know, how do you get into the industry? It is a very competitive industry. What what advice do you have for anyone that, that might be listening to this podcast, thinking that you know they want to be in, in, in soccer journalism one day? That's a difficult one. I mean, it uh, you just got to keep writing. Um, I think the important thing is to get your name out there to. Uh, to write as as much and as 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 high quality work as you can, because uh, ultimately that's what gets noticed. It's um, you know people learn to to associate your name with the standard of work. They they want to see what you've done, who you've spoken to, uh, what sort of topics you've covered. So the more you're writing, the more the more you're exposing yourself to to the footballing world. I think the better your opportunities are to to break through into the industry. You make mention of that, you know, putting your name out there. And the other day I saw something um, regard, uh, with you and Vincent Company. Were you asking him a question about Percy Tau? Um, is, that, is that right up there with your highlights thus far in working for kickoff.com and working in the football industry? Um, if that's not number one, what is number one currently? Uh, that was incredible. Um, the opportunity to, to speak to Vincent Company was something that you know, again, it's you, you never expect to happen. So when the chance comes, you've got to jump at it. Um, and it's definitely up there. Um, I think as far as highlights go, uh, I've spoken to a few big names, guys like Rafael van der Vaart, uh, uh, JJ Okocha, uh, Lars Feld, like a couple of the, the Bufana players that uh, played in, in yesteryear, George Lubezzi, guys like that. Um, and those are all highlights. To be able to speak to these guys who have played at the highest level is, is really um, it's something that I don't take for granted. Uh, but I think uh, so far the, the, the best thing that's happened to me is an opportunity I got uh, last year uh, when I was invited to to travel to Germany to uh, attend a, a Bundesliga media event. Um, and it took me through to uh, Dortmund Stadium, to Hoffenheim Stadium. We were uh, given the chance to watch those games, to meet all the people behind the scenes, all the, um, the, the coaches, the players. Uh, it was just an incredible opportunity. And I think it's going to be hard to top that. Um, I'm hoping something will, but it's going to be very hard to top that. I think one way to top that might be a trip to Anfield in the near future. You are a huge Liverpool fan. Just you know, tell us a bit more about how that love started and and, and why Liverpool. Yeah, that would that would definitely top that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it all started back in uh, 2002 at the World Cup, the Korea Japan World Cup. Um, I, I come from a rugby family, but I, I was fully hooked onto football uh, from then watching uh, Michael Owen play for England. 
Um, and I mean, I had uh, all the clippings from from those games that he played in. And uh, the next step is then to find out who who he plays for at club level. And, and at the time, um, he was probably Liverpool star player. Um, so through him, I then became a Liverpool supporter. And over the last what 17, 18 years, it's been it's been a roller coaster. It's obviously a great time to be a Liverpool supporter now, but uh, it's been quite a journey. Um, you know, it's the club's been through its ups and downs over the last uh, 10, 15 years. And it's, it's, it's great as a Liverpool supporter for the, the club finally to be uh, where they belong. I think coming from Afrikaans family myself, um, my brother and I are the first generation, you know, football watchers in our family. I don't know how your story goes, but with a surname like Becker, maybe it is something similar. I mean, were you the first in your family to, to really start watching football, you know, on a, week, on a weekly basis? Absolutely. Uh, my dad, big cheetah supporter. Uh, my, my grandparents, my brother, also big rugby supporters. And then, you know, I was the odd one out. For me, it was always, always leaning towards, uh, towards football. So they've all come ar- around now. Uh, my dad, uh, he's, he, he now watches a Chelsea game from time to time. And my brother uh, went to the extreme and, uh, and follows Manchester United. But uh, it's still from a, from, from a rugby family. I think I'm, I'm definitely the one who, who, who leaned a bit left and, and went to to follow football instead. So do you just watch football or do you have any interest in any other sporting codes? Oh, no, across the board. Um, I enjoy, if, it, if it's on TV, I'm going to watch it. Sport is a big passion of mine. Football is obviously number one, but um, I enjoy anything that's playing. If it's rugby, if it's cricket, uh, Formula One, you know, across the board, I'm, I'm a very big sport lover. Maybe let's get on to some of the articles you wrote in, in we, recent times. You made mention of, of George Lebisi. Um, what, is, what is his you know, mood like in, in America? I took an unconventional route, you know, playing in, in not the MLS, but a bit of a lower league in, in, in America. Um, obviously, he was a, a huge star at Kaiser Chiefs, went to Sundowns, couldn't crack a nod. Um, what is it like chatting to him and, and how is he doing? Yeah, I think I think the move to the states was um, a big opportunity for him. I think for a lot of players, the the dream is to to get that chance to go abroad. Um, and at the stage of his career where he was, um, things seemed to be stagnating a little bit. So it was uh, a great opportunity, firstly to go abroad, and secondly just to get that fresh start. Um, and the Colorado Springs Switchbacks, which is a society he plays for now, um, they're a relatively young team, uh, but they're an exciting, you know, sort of an exciting up and comer. And uh, when I chatted to him, he, you know, the ambition is still there to to succeed because the team struggled last season. Uh, they, they they didn't do as well as many expected. Um, but uh, you know, he's he's passionate to improve on that. He's passionate to uh, to try and build something there in the states. Uh, he's now re-signed for the club for the for the 2021 campaign, uh, which is exciting because I mean it. it, it we get to see what he can do in that league. We get to see him somewhere outside of the PSL and to see what sort of impact he can make there. Um, I think one challenge he will face now is that um, the manager, Alan Koch, he's also a South African, was the, the person who brought him to to Colorado. He's now moved to Canada. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what sort of uh, what sort of role the new coach has envisaged for him um, and what sort of game time he's going to get there. But He's held in very high regard that side. He's very exciting. You know, he brings something else. Uh, that cussy flair, if you will, um, which uh, they, they, they don't really know that side. Um, uh, he's a very exciting player. He's very well liked there. Uh, so now it's just a case of, of building on, on the, the foundation that was laid last season. 
South Africa actually has a you know huge history in in the states. You know, if you go back to you know Kaiser Matong and you know Joe Masono, um, and Alan Koch is a guy that almost flew under the radar, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, you know, for those who are not to know, you know, who is Alan Koch, and maybe also we can ma- make mention of of a guy like Bradley Connell, who's obviously a, a huge name in South Africa, having had you know good stints not only in South Africa but with Fitz and Kaiser Chiefs, but had a very successful uh, career in Germany. And I, I was fortunate enough to speak to him a few months back, um, but obviously a lot has changed in recent weeks with him. Um, I mean, for those who don't know um, how well are Alan Koch and you know, Bradley Connell doing in, in America, like you said, Koch is now in Canada, but obviously he's made quite a name for himself there as well. Yeah, uh, I think Koch has, has made a big impact. He left, he left South Africa relatively young. Uh, he, was a, he enjoyed a playing career as well. He, played in, in Canada, he played in Germany, um, and then afterwards he then took up coaching. And I, I assume just having had that connection in, in North America, he was always drawn to return there sometime. Um, and over the last five, ten years, he's, he's coached in the MLS, he coached FC Cincinnati, um, he was the uh, USLC, which is their second division coach of the year. He then got a job at uh, Colorado, which is his most recent position. And then uh, after that, he the suggestion that he left was that he wanted to be closer to his family and they, they're based in Canada still. Um, so he's headed over, the, over that side to a club called FC Edmonton, um, who are in the Canadian Premier League, which is also a very young league. Um, and he's now going to be their head coach and the, the head of their development that side. So it's a very exciting uh, opportunity for him and a very, uh, very exciting opportunity for his family as well, that he was able to move closer to them and to be able to take on such a project. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, Bradley Cornell is, is also uh, in the States. He's with the New York Red Bulls, and um, he got his first proper taste of management this season. Um, uh, I think Chris Armas was sacked by the New York Red Bulls in September, and he took over then on an interim basis, and uh, he did a really, really good job. That He guided the club to, to the playoffs, uh, which looked uh, well out of the realms of possibility when he took over, given the struggles they had at the start of the season. Um, he brought in really just a sense of excitement. He gave a young player like Caden Clark, I think it was 17 or 18 years old opportunity, and uh, he scored three goals in his first five or six games for the club. So he's left a big impact there already. Um, unfortunately, he didn't get to uh, take the club through the playoffs because um, the, Gerard Strubel was appointed as the, the new head coach. He comes from the championship in England, um, and he's then assumed the reins there. But Bradley staying on as the assistant manager, and I think that's that's brilliant for the club because of the impact he's had, because the players know him, um, and just because of the influence and the the, the 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 new perspective he's brought to the club, that he, it's important he stays on there. And I'm sure it's only a matter of time now before he either gets a, a head coach role in the MLS or or even abroad. Yeah, certainly a very bright future for Bradley. Um, going over to to China to um, to Green Town. Uh, where Dino and Lovu has become the the club's all-time leading scorer. Um, I think Dino has been a guy that's divided opinion in South African football. I mean, he's he's been uh, all over. He's played all over. Um, he's scored goals wherever he's gone. Uh, maybe in South Africa, he's not as appreciated as he should be. Um, what is what is Dino like as a character for um, for those who don't know? And you know how how big of a deal is this? You know him being top scorer at his club in China. Yeah, I think I, I fully agree with you that he's he's very underappreciated in South Africa. I think uh, people look at his record 
uh, when he was at Supersport, people look at the fact that he didn't break through at Sundowns. But he's played in the Champions League. He's played in the Europa League. He's played uh, halfway across Europe. You know, he's played in Azerbaijan, Cyprus, and now he's he's moved to Asia. And everywhere he's gone uh, outside of South Africa, he's, he's scored goals. Um, uh, I think uh, the achievement, the fact that in two, three years, he's already become his club's all-time top goal scorer. It just tells you the type of quality you're dealing with. There. A, it's a striker who, who knows how to find the back of the net. And I mean, that's something South Africa has lacked. Um, and I do think even with the national team, it's something that has been underutilized uh, because he just has that. He offers something that a very few other players we have do. Um, so yeah, he's, uh, he's enjoying life overseas. I saw on his Instagram account that he, it looked like he was making his way back to South Africa. Now, I'm not sure if that's just with the off-season or if there's more to that, but um, it's absolutely uh, just an incredible achievement to to break the record and to do it so quickly um, in China. He was quoted as saying by, by New Frame a few years ago, where there is money, I will go. <laughs> Is that <laughs> is that the the sort of character Dino is? And you know, maybe you know, it's 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 fine. Maybe we need more footballers like that, just being upfront about their, you know, and their ambitions and and not trying to hide behind the fact behind, uh, you know, for the reasoning why they go to certain clubs. I mean, I think that is the case of a lot of players who go and play in China, but that's not the case when it comes to Dino. Yeah, I think I I don't see any problem with it. I think. Um, there's a purist side to the game that says, you know, you want to play for, for the best clubs at the highest level and you want to achieve this and you want to win trophies. But a footballer's career is also very short. Um, you know, they've got 10, 15 years at the highest level if, if they're lucky. Um, so there's no issue for, for my side when, when a guy like Dino or, or somebody like that gets those opportunities abroad uh, to earn that extra bit of, a bit of money and he takes it. Um, and I mean, it's, it's something that, that has served him well. I mean, if you look at uh, all the clubs he's played for, all the competitions he's played for. Yeah, the motivation might well be, uh, you know, the paycheck at the end of the day, but he's still really playing at a high level. He's playing at a higher level um, than many of our other players are, are, are able to to boast about. So, yeah, um, it's it's always funny to hear when they are uh, so open about it, but it's refreshing. And I, I, I really, I have no issue with that. Moving over to, to Belgium and, you know, South Africa's favorite son, Percy Tau. Uh, I think a lot of people are surprised that he hasn't made his Premier League, um, you know, debut. But obviously, there's reasons behind that. For those who who don't know why he hasn't played for Brighton over Albion, uh, no, it's not because he's not good enough. Um, I think he is good enough. Um, for those who don't know about, you know, the work permit issues we have as South Africans and also being ranked so lowly, um, how difficult is it for him? And do you do you think he will ever get his break and being able to play in the Premier League? It is, it's, a, it's an incredibly difficult one and it's an incredibly unfortunate one for Percy because uh, he's definitely good enough to play in the Premier League. Um, I think the the feedback that we've gotten from Brighton over since he's joined the club is that they, they'd be keeping an eye on him and that they all feel the same way is that he's good enough to play for them. Uh, it's just the issue of the work permit, as you mentioned. Um, they've got very strict regulations when it comes to uh, getting players in from certain countries in Africa, certain countries in, in South America. And all of this has just been complicated even further now by Brexit. Um, South Africa's uh, world ranking, which I think is now 71st in the world, uh, puts us outside of that bracket that qualifies players to play in the Premier League. Um, and the fact that, you know, Anderlecht aren't in the Champions League, that they aren't in the Europa League, this also counts towards it because they've got a whole point uh, criteria where they tally up points. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different factors that, that come into that. 
Uh, but at the moment, it doesn't look like Percy's going to be able to hit that this season. Uh, and unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon either. Uh, so unless there is some sort of regulation change with, with Brexit coming to effect or having coming to effect, uh, it's looking unlikely that, that we're going to see Percy in the Premier League uh, anytime soon. Do you think, you know, if that's the case, do you think it'll be better maybe for Percy to try and push for a move to, let's say, Spain or France, where he can maybe play for a higher level club that plays in the Champions League or Europa League? What do you see for his future if after this season he's still, you know, not being not able to play in the Premier League? Yeah, I think I think if the uncertainty persists, you know, with him not getting a work permit, then it definitely would be a good idea to to look for a permanent move elsewhere. Uh, he spent the last this, including this season, the last three seasons out on loan in Belgium, and at some point it needs to to reach a, reach an end. Uh, I think he's definitely good enough to play in La Liga. We haven't had a player in there for for a long time. Uh, we've got a lot in France at the moment. We've got Lebo Motiba. We've got uh, Zungu has just come from there. He's joined Rangers. Uh, Piri is playing in the second division. So th- we've got the uh, the sort of uh, link there, but it's just a case now of finding the right club to move to if he does leave Brighton, uh, which I think is necessary for him if if this work permit issue can't be resolved any anytime soon. You make mention of Mbongani Zungu and you've you know covered his move to, to Rangers. Um, how big of a deal is, is the move to Rangers? And I think as South Africans, we actually don't understand how big of a club Rangers is. I remember when Rivaldo, I was working at Ajax Cape at the time when Rivaldo could see his move to Celtic, fell through at the 11th hour. And, you know, just the response to him being rumored to joining the club was, it was immense. It was insane, actually. Um, how big of a club is Rangers? And, you know, obviously working, Zungu now working with, you know, a player that you'd be very familiar with and Steven Gerrard, uh, you know, growing up as a Liverpool f- supporter. Oh, it's massive. Um, and as you said, I don't think the South African audience fully appreciates how big and how passionate Scottish Scottish supporters are um, and how big of a club Rangers is. I mean, this is a club that has won countless league trophies. It's a, a club that has historically competed for the Champions League. They're not as strong in, in Europe, but they're still a massive, massive club. Um, and there's been a great sense of excitement within the club supporters about Zungu signing. You know, he's seen as this dynamic box-to-box midfielder. And um, I think Steven Gerrard's the perfect the perfect uh, manager to coach him. Uh, if I look at uh, Gerrard's time at Liverpool, he was often used uh, in differing roles. Um, under Rafa Benitez, he played as a defensive midfielder. He played as a number 10. He played as a right midfielder, um, he, you know, in a holding role. So he's covered all of those positions in his playing career. And it's something that's very similar to Zungu, who's also been asked to do that from time to time. So I think as far as learning uh, by example, I think Steven Gerrard is the absolute best manager for, for Zungu to be playing under. And of course, he's got the opportunity of now playing in a strong league. Uh, the Scottish Premiership is a strong league and they are in the Europa League this season. So um, it, it's a really great platform for him to be in. And it's it's a massive move for him to go from, from Amiens to join Rangers. Um, and hopefully uh, it'll become a permanent move at the end of the season because they, they have, of course, added that that option in to make the deal permanent uh, come 2021. And then obviously we were, we were met by the incredibly sad news of Anele Ntwonka's uh, sad passing last month. Um, he was quite a big deal in, in Belgium at KLC Genk where he made, I think, 297 appearances and voted into their team of the decade and team of the century. Um, how how appreciated is he? Obviously, we saw tributes from Thibaut Courtois and uh, Kevin De Bruyne. 
Uh, how appreciated is he, is he in Belgium? And you know, obviously a very sad day, not only for, for South Africans, but for, for players and former players of KLC Genk. Yeah, it's, it's a massive it's a massive loss for for the club, and you can see it in the reaction from um, from all those those players you mentioned, all the past pros that he played alongside. I mean, they've got on to become some of the, the biggest names in football. Uh, but the club holds him in such high regard. They um, they've retired the number sixteen jersey uh, in honour of him, and uh, the, the the indication is that it's not just for the season; it's going to be a permanent retirement for that jersey, uh, which is a decision that they can't have been taken lightly. Um, it was previously worn by a young young player called um, uh, Elias. Uh, I forget his surname, but he he's given up the number sixteen jersey now to to wear number nineteen, so that they could properly honour him. Um, and uh, just the all round reaction from the fans from the club has been one of mourning, given the the, the tragedy that has uh, has befallen Anelia. And it is it's it's a terrible thing that has happened, and, and sadly, it's something that that is happening far too often on on South African roads. Yeah, very true. Very sad news that. Um, just, you know, returning returning home and Bafana Bafana obviously were involved in two qualifiers last month against Sao Tomo and Principe. Uh, what do you make of, of the two games? And, you know, considering we've got Ghana ahead of us in, you know, both uh, African qualifiers and World Cup qualifiers in the next uh, year or two, um, how concerning was our performance? But, you know, like Zungu said at the end of the day uh, on Twitter, a win is a win. Yeah, um, I've been uh, cursed with uh, the the fact that I'm an optimist, so I, I've been let down many times. Uh, but I'm I'm positive about our chances of qualifying. But we'll definitely need to up our game against strong opposition. I think uh, two wins from two was the bare minimum. We had to win both those games, uh, but I don't think the performance was nearly as comfortable as it should have been. Um, I think, especially the game against Ghana, that's going to be. A very big game, but uh, Sudan's shock victory over over them has has really thrown the group wide open. So uh, there's absolutely no margin for error anymore. Um, I do think, I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm I'm optimistic about our chances of of qualifying, but there definitely needs to be improvement heading into those two matches. Lastly, if we can maybe just run over some DCV Premiership action, um, you know, that's coming up. Uh, obviously, Mamelodi Sundowns have made a, a terrific start to the season. I mean, they look. I mean, they don't want to say it, but they look well on course to another title, even if we're only five games in. Tim Bufani <laughs> has made a you know great start. Already scored a hat trick. Um, you know, he's just a terrific player. Do you see anyone stopping Mamelodi Sundowns this season? Considering, you know, the the poor start made by Kaiser Chiefs, um, and they were their closest challengers last season. I don't. Um, in all truth, I don't. I think. Um, Sundowns are going to going to take the title again this season, and I know it is still early days, but uh, just given the start and given the uh, the lack of apparent competition, it, it looks like it's going to be theirs again. Um, I thought at the start of of the campaign that uh, it would be very interesting to see how uh, things work with the the whole co-management setup that they've got there and with Mosimani's departure, how how the team would react to that. But uh, they're really looking like the the strongest outfit again this time around, and I'd be very surprised if if Chiefs or Pirates or anybody else is able to uh, to beat them to the title this year. Yeah, it just seems as business as usual. And obviously the guy that that left the the gaping hole there, so to speak, is, is Pizzo Mosamani, who's 
who's gone on to you know become a part of form part of a very select group of, of coaches to win you know champions leagues with two different clubs how, how big of a deal is that and and how great is it for south african football that you know he's been able to to guide a, a huge club like al ahli to what is their ninth CAF champions league crown Oh, it's massive. It's massive. Um, and he's an incredible manager. I think he's one of those figures that success just seems to to follow him where he goes. Uh, but it's all down to, to hard work as well. Um, I think he, he's moved there at, at a time where uh, actually we're enjoying a really good a good period with um, the league having been wrapped up by his predecessor. But he's then just gone and bolt onto that. He's gone and uh, just achieved something incredible with that club in a country that um, is so far away and so culturally different to our own. Um, and I think that's so important is that it, it's opening those doors for our coaches to um, to move abroad because very few of our coaches, you know, uh, test the waters outside of South Africa. So he really is, he's just blazing a trail for us that way. And the fact that he's winning uh, makes that process even better for us. Uh, and I think it's a, a very good a very good reflection of him and a very good testament to, to the quality coaches that we can produce in South Africa. Uh, most definitely. Obviously, the team that Sundowns are facing this weekend is, is Maritzburg United, who's, who've appointed Ernst Minendorp, um for a third time. What is, the, what is the mood like within the, you know, um, within the journalism, uh, you know, space? Is it, was it a big surprise to see Ernst back in South African football? And, you know, considering he came so close to, to winning the league last season, he's taken on, you know, a completely different challenge of Maritzburg having lost their opening five games of the season. Yeah, uh, I think the surprise was uh, the fact that he had uh, just come off a job in, I think it was Ethiopia for, for a month or two there. Uh, to come back so soon after leaving Chiefs and so soon after trying that that new challenge. Um, he does have that past relationship with Maritzburg, so it's not the biggest shock to see him move there, but it's it's definitely going to be a different challenge to, to the one he faced at Chiefs. Uh, maybe a little, bit, bit, a little bit less pressure, but still high expectation on him to uh, to help the club change their fortunes. Yeah, well, Liam, we, well, thanks for joining us. Um, we appreciate your insight and, and hearing a bit more about your you know, incredible journey into, into journalism after studying law. Um, we hope to hear more from you in the new future and, and, and good luck with, with everything. And yeah, man, stay safe. Brilliant. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Abby. I appreciate it. Only a pleasure. Cheers. In next week's episode, we'll be joined by another special guest within the world of South African soccer. If you have any questions or things you'd like us to discuss on Disky Discussions, please hit me up at AB underscore Hassan on Twitter or on Instagram. Stay safe, subscribe, Aware.